Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest talk. And this talk is going to be on dual energy, looking specifically at uh, peripheral CTA runoff studies. And I actually gave this as the SECT as part of a dual energy symposium. So what I'll do in this talk is look at some of the principles of uh, dual energy, just basically, and I'll come back and do that in more detail in another talk, but look at some of its potential advantages in peripheral imaging. And the way I started off the talk was mentioning that when we do peripheral imaging, we do have certain things that we need to look at, from study protocol designs to how we deliver IV contrast, how we post-process the data, and how we look at this post-process data. And not surprisingly, if you're going to do it with dual energy, the same basic things you need to look at. Some things are going to be very similar, and some things are going to be very different. So let's look at some of the similarities first. Delivery of contrast. Uh, regardless if it's single or dual energy, the contrast needs to be in the right place when you're scanning the patient. Now, there are many different ways in the literature for doing this. There's been articles talking about preset delays. Recent article talking about preset delays based on patient's age. People have spoken about test bolusing, and then in test bolusing, where do you trigger uh, from, for example, or test bolus where you just time it from the knee or you time it from the uh, uh, pelvis and other people have talked about triggering again triggering where should the trigger be lower abdominal aorta SFA popliteal artery and again the problem typically these days with 64 slice and runoff studies is not a matter of scanning too late and having venous contamination it's scanning too early now obviously we scan too late you have venous contamination and poor arterial opacification but a bigger problem usually is scanning too early. The contrast just hasn't got there yet. And we know it's a particular problem in peripheral vascular disease because what works good on the left leg may not work good on the right leg. The timing can be very different depending on the extent of PVD. So a couple of articles. This article by Nakaya. Test injection using a monitoring scan at the knee level was found to be useful in 64 MDCT of the lower extremities. And again, that makes some sense because the closer you are to the distal vessels, which are the more difficult to evaluate, the better it is. So getting a timing at the popliteal gets around any issues you would have in the SFA. So that's a pretty reasonable thing. Another article just published uh, looking at table speed looking at this, how we do CTAs with different age groups, this article suggested that different table speeds for each patient age group be used. Older patients have slower transit time, so we need a slower table speed. And again, they had very, very specific uh, numbers. That's a little tricky, of course, because simply using age, I always find for anything, can be problematic. Our technique, um, our protocol is we're using about 120 cc's of Omni 350, injecting at about 4 to 5 cc's a second. 4 is typically adequate. We've been using a trigger point at the aortic bifurcation on our 64 slice scanners and using about 200 Hounsfield units as a trigger point. Thin sections, 0.6 millimeter collimators, reconstructed at 0.75 um, at 0.5 millimeter intervals. Um, and again, uh, the triggering point will vary, of course, if we're doing a patient where it's thoracic, abdominal, and runoff versus abdomen runoff only versus runoff uh, only. So you want to be very careful where you're triggering. And again, there is some variations. Now, in terms of looking at visualization technique, we use all of the various techniques, and you can see from the schematic diagram, what you'll be trying to do is, is create vascular maps of the individual vessels. So let's look at some examples. Here's a nice case of Ehlers-Danlos volume rendering. Look at the dilatation of the patient's common iliac arteries. The SFAs look good. 
volume rendered. And then you'll see I take away the bone, and now I'm showing you the vessels without the bone. One of the important things you need to do in terms of uh, single uh, energy imaging is remove bone, because often the bone will obscure critical structures, and that's particularly true as we go toward the lower extremities. In addition to volume rendering, as you see here with grayscale imaging, we'll go to MIP imaging, and we'll also use curved planar reconstruction. The curved planar is particularly important in patients with extensive calcification. Curved planar is particularly valuable in cases with complicated anatomy. We really need to look down the center of a vessel, which you may not get if you use a surely MIP, but also even with volume rendering. Now, to get these type of images, you typically will need to do bone removal. And the more complicated the vascular anatomy, the more important bone removal is. We talk about automated techniques which we've been using. The important thing to recognize is that when you remove bone, you want to make certain you don't remove any additional information and then give a false diagnosis. So you need to make certain you look back at the edited views, that all the vessels are accounted for. And here was that same patient, and you can see nicely the patient has occlusion of the left common iliac artery, a nice graft in place down to SFA, the graft is patent, and then we take um, another example with extensive vascular calcifications and show you bone removal and then show you the aortas through the iliacs and the iliacs through the trifurcation vessels, all nicely seen, no problem at all. Another example, 3D rendering, popliteal artery, trifurcation vessels, and again, taking that vessel and doing curved planar reconstruction. Okay, so that works very nicely. Sometimes, like this picture, you didn't even need bone editing if you were looking only at that one projection. But you can see the steps. Acquire proper data, then process it, then analyze it. So what about dual energy? Where does dual energy fit in? Well, let's first look at dual energy. So what dual energy is, is the energy dependence of the photoelectric effect and the variability of K-edges forms the basis for dual energy techniques. And when I say K-edge, it refers to the spike in attenuation that occurs in energy levels just greater than, than the uh, K-shell binding because of the increased photoelectric effect absorption at these energy levels. And the K-edge varies for each element, and they increase as the atomic element, uh, the atomic number increases. So when you're looking, the two things we really pay most attention to are calcium and iodine. And you can see their K-edge it varies. 4 and 33.2, atomic number 20 versus 53, and those are the things we'll typically be thinking about in CT angiography with dual energy, particularly with runoff studies or with any application. Other elements, hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, the KH is just way too low for us to have to worry about. Barium and gadolinium we're typically not using in the same case, but you can think about why that would be helpful as well. So dual energy can be done two ways. At Hopkins we have a Siemens flash, so we're using two x-ray tubes. So the two x-ray tubes run at different KVPs, typically 100 and 140, acquiring data at the same point at the same time, perfect alignment. Single source, GE has this proponent of single source, rapid KVP switching between the different energies is needed to get the two series aligned. And that seems to work very well also. So we have two different techniques, and we'll focus more on the application rather than on the specific techniques. Now, there were a few articles on this volume dual energy about the switching, and they were using 80 and 140, switching with each gantry rotation while operating in a cine mode. Now, this enabled a conventional single-source scanner to produce two different kilovoltages nearly simultaneously during a single image acquisition. Of course, it's nearly simultaneous, and 
ideally simultaneous is better. There's no differentiation. Now, initially, those techniques had a higher radiation dose than a single source, so that might be problematic. Though the authors did comment in some applications, like where uh, you're looking at the kidneys, if you can do a virtual non-contrast, then everything would tend to even out and, in fact, probably be in favor of dual energy. Now, in fact, recently there was another article, same system, by Corsi, Reductions in radiation dose are possible, same point, if true uh, unenhanced scans are eliminated and if uh, low two-voltage currents are used. So again, uh, what you're trying to do with dual energy, hopefully, is to have it dose neutral. On the two x-ray tube systems now on the flash, it's dose neutral. Single energy versus dual energy, same radiation dose. Now, um, what else can we say? Now, I, I mentioned about this different KVPs, that with the dual energy, you're running one at a lower KVP, either 80 or 100. So one question is, why don't we just run everything at 80 or 100? Well, in fact, when you use the lower KVP, and we speak about it in pediatric patients and in many applications, particularly with thinner patients, iodine contrast shows an, an increased by approximately 80% in attenuation at 80 KVP compared to 140. What that means for the same volume and injection rate of contrast, the vessel is much brighter. So you can get with lower volumes of contrast by lowering the KVP. Also, the KVP drops, as you drop it, it drops the radiation dose substantially. Again, less IV contrast may be needed, and you also see with lower KVP, less artifacts like pseudo-enhancement. Um, problems are, of course, the lower the KVP, the higher the noise in the image. Uh, that can be problematic, and one of the reasons we're now using 100 kVp instead of 80 is the images at 80 were just too noisy, and people did not like to read them. Also, if you have lower energy images, the images are noisy, then the multiplaners and 3Ds are going to be problematic. Okay, so let's go now look at a dual source. Two x-ray tubes. One tube is where you kind of set the parameters. The second tube fills in. Tube A, 100 kVp, effective mass 250 with care dose, collimation 0.6, rotation speed 0.5 seconds. Tube B, set at 140 kVp. Um, as I mentioned, with that parameter settings, it's dose neutral. And now if you can eliminate a study like a non-contrast exam, you'd be saving about 33 to 50% of the dose. Uh, for the entire study. But that's a different question for a different day. Now in CT angiography, dual energy has the potential for this improved contrast profile because of lower MAS, so less contrast is needed. Because we can use the dual energy parameters of calcium and contrast, we can do automated bone subtraction. We also can do automated calcium plaque subtraction. So what am I talking about there? Well, here's some examples. This is dual energy, very nicely showing peripheral vascular disease bilaterally. And you can see all the calcified plaque as well, but I did not have to do any bone editing. You look at the next set of images, I've taken the, I've taken the calcium away, look left to right. So you can take calcium away. Of course, it's very tricky if you take calcium away. Maybe you're taking some of the native vessel away, but it's something that we're looking at very carefully. Remember, this would be an incredible application if you could take away calcium from coronary arteries, for example. But what you can see here, and I've put a little bit back of the knees and ankles to give you some feel of where the anatomy is, you can automatically remove bone without doing anything else. 
So it's, in a sense, automated bone removal. Now, I'm really good at bone removal. We have really good software we help develop, but it still takes several minutes to do, and anything that saves time potentially will be important. And again, another example. Here's calcium removal, okay? Very, very simple, easy to see. Uh, again, we need to look really critically at how accurate it is. Am I simply taking away calcium or am I taking away patent vessel? But again, you can see it very nicely. Again, you'll notice in the dual energy images, the vessels are sharp, they're smooth, there's less noise in the image. So very, very impressive imaging. Let's look then at a few examples, a few additional examples. Here's a patient who had multiple grafts from the uh, superficial femoral artery on the right down to the popliteal, and you can see the grafts are indeed occluded. And I'll show you, here it is in single energy, nicely shown. You can see the grafts in place, and I'll follow it down through the ankle, through the knee, and then down to the ankle, and you can see the disease, particularly on the left side, at the trifurcation. So to see it better, I'll go in color code the bone you can see nicely here now the I always like blue bone it makes the white vessels stand out better but you can see the collaterals, superficial collaterals uh, on the right side remember here I'm looking from posterior and then what we'll do is we'll remove the bone automatically and you can see very nice visualization of the extensive disease on the right side with the grafts in place that are all occluded and the superficial collaterals through profunda vessel again nicely shown there Took me a little bit of work, but I did a great job. Okay, dual energy, same case. There are the images without me having done any of the editing. I actually left a couple of ribs in here. And here it is as we track downward a little bit better, down through the thigh where you can see the disease on the right. And then as we go down to the ankle, you can see the nice posterior tibial on the left, part of the posterior tibial on the right. Interior tibial gives circulation on the right more than any other vessel. So again, very nicely shown in that example. Another case, dual energy runoff study. Occlusion or near occlusion right common iliac. You can see it there in the axials. If I do single energy, here's the issue with single energy with bone removal. You can see it tried to pick out both internal iliac arteries and push them out with, uh, with the bone. And that can be problematic because you can lose information if you do that. You might not notice it, so it's very important to go back and look at the images to look where the blue is and make certain you're not taking away any vessels. And that can happen, particularly in patients with significant degenerative osteoarthritis and large osteophytes. And you can see nicely here when we get down to the images, common iliac occluded on the right, superficial femoral patent, and some of the collaterals bilaterally. Here is with dual energy without any need for editing. It's interesting, when I edit, I take away the bladder. When I do the dual energy, the bladder is still there because it's contrast. And you can see it very nicely. You also see the kidneys excreting contrast. The patient had gotten an injection earlier. Um, and again, here I'll just go through some of the images. So again, dual energy makes it a little bit easier and a little bit faster gets rid of the additional work. And here's the edited versus the non-edited, or the single energy versus the dual energy images side by side. And you can see when you look closely, the vessels look equally well seen on both studies. There's no significant difference. So just a very nice example. Another case, here, same thing. Um, look what happened. The computer picked out the left common iliac and superficial femoral. And you can see we would have had an issue, but I went back in, obviously, I always look at the the edited views before I save them 
And so now I put everything back and I have the entire vascular tree, significant peripheral vascular disease right greater than left side, which you can see here very nicely. And then what we'll do is take that into dual energy. I showed you a few different sequences in dual energy. On the left, I show you when I adjusted to leave some of the bone in to give you some landmarks. On the right, I just kind of washed that away. But again, very nice peripheral vascular disease, superficial femoral artery on the right side, as well as the posterior tibial and perineal, both right and left sides, as well as anterior tibial on the right. And if I showed you what the uh, dual energy had done, see how it pulled away the bony structures? That's really what the dual energy is doing. You're separating the two out and then coming back with the vascular map. So just a very nice example of advantages of dual energy. So some issues with dual energy, what's the biggest problem? You need a new scanner, it costs more. Okay, can't get around that. It's new technology, so there aren't a wealth of articles comparing the techniques. Lots of articles are coming. So concluding that I think dual energy is very exciting, makes peripheral imaging a whole lot easier, should save time, less need or no need for editing, can potentially provide more information uh, quicker and easier. And the study combines dose-deficient imaging, remember now it's at least dose-neutral and potentially lower dose if we eliminate non-contrast studies, and it's a decrease in post-processing time and potentially more accurate. So it looks like in all three columns is a win-win-win. So with that, hopefully this is a good entry into some evaluation of CT with dual energy. And I'll be back over the next couple of weeks with some additional talks on the topic. And with that, have a great day.